Welcome in. This is your live chat for this week's WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational. I'm Rick Gaiman, and the next hour is yours. This is your opportunity to ask anything you want. Uh, mostly revolves around ownership and plays and uh, how the course is going to play out and things of that nature. But in the last hour or so, there has been... Um, some kind of news drops that, that we can talk through, and I'll talk through them here at the top um, just so we can kind of get them out of the way. I imagine there's going to be a lot of questions about them, and then and then I can just kind of push everybody back to the top of the show. Um, but reminder that this live chat is brought to you by our friends over at Jock Market. That is Stock Market DFS. There is a power hour tonight, 8.15 p.m. Eastern time. That's where Joe, Idonia, and myself take you through live the final hour of IPO phase. You can buy and sell shares of golfers for real money. There is a cash market back this week for the WGC. And from what I hear, little birdie, little birdie tells me that shorting players is very, very close, which is going to completely change the game. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, what else? Uh, let's just jump into the three, the three little nuggets that I think are most interesting on this Wednesday that were not nuggets on Monday or Tuesday. Number one, Brooks Kepka um, has withdrawn from the pro-am. Let me say that again, withdrawn from the pro-am and his Wednesday press conference was canceled. I do not have any more information than that. Um, it is my understanding that he cited uh, the knee as the reason for the WD. I'm not going to look too much into this. Uh, it could be it could be something. It could be Brooks trying to get out of the pro am. Something we have seen players do countless times. And if you go if you WD from the pro am, you're going to have to have your press conference canceled because you can't do one without doing the other. So um, I, I'm. I'm trying not to panic. I'm not ready to panic yet. I'm going to work the phones for the next, um, you know, 12 hours or so and see if I get some more information from the boots on the ground that, that, that we have there. And if I don't hear anything, I'm, I'm going to probably leave Brooks Kepka in my core. And if I'm, if I'm wrong and he, and, and I'm going to set an alarm and I'm going to check tomorrow morning to see if he withdrew from this event uh, before it starts. And I'm going to set my notifications, uh, which I already have for the PGA tour. Um, what's it called? PGA tour comms, Twitter account. The good news is he has an early ish tea time, nine 59 AM local, uh, which is within the first hour of this event starting. So I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful we will know more if we see him at the driving range before lock, if we see him at the putting, like all that stuff, right? So um, I'm not panicking. I think best case scenario, people pivot away from Brooks Kepka, and you get a guy um, who just didn't want to play the pro-am at much lower ownership. Uh, worst case scenario, he actually WDs it and burns all of my lineups. I think I'm willing to take that that chance as of right now. So if I find out any more information, of course I will pass it along and uh, I will certainly be awake uh, very early tomorrow morning to make sure that he is on the range. He is there. He is on site. The other one is Bryson DeChambeau. There was a Bob Harrig ESPN article uh, about Bryson talking about uh, after testing positive for COVID going into quarantine, essentially the fact that he lost eight to 10 pounds and he is down i think he said five to ten miles an hour with club head speed and he has uh, very little expectations for this week if you combine that with the fact that he hasn't played particularly well 
I'm not sure there's much reason to really go after Bryson DeChambeau. The other option or the other little bit of nugget is that uh, Phil Mickelson was using uh, an arm lock putter at uh, at TPC Southwinds uh, on Wednesday, which is it's kind of interesting. I actually kind of like this for him. So I can start showing you some data here. And this is my site. It's rickrungood.com. Um, you know, Phil Mickelson has not been a particularly good putter. Uh, as of late. And there are a couple of weeks in which he has lost a lot of strokes on the green. So the fact that he's tinkering and who knows if he's going to run it out into play tomorrow, but it is on, it is on his blade putter. The one that you see him use, which to me indicates he's going to use it tomorrow. Um, I actually kind of like this. Phil has a, a a very forward press in his putting stroke, which if you've ever used a wrist lock putter or an arm lock putter, it really kind almost awkwardly kind of forces you to have um, that forward press. And for a lot of guys, it's kind of hard to get used to. That is very natural for Phil. So I actually really like this for him. I don't know if it's going to change his his putting metrics. We'll see. But I, I do think it is a good idea and something that we can keep an eye on as the week rolls on. So there you go. Three big nuggets right off the top. Let's get into the questions. Sid says, any interest in Corey Connors? Uh, yeah, I mean, my interest in Corey Connors has not really changed for the last six months. I think the industry has changed on, on Corey Connors. You know, someone who just piles up top 20 finishes. I was glad to see him bounce back and be vintage Corey Connors at, at the Olympics. I have the strokes gain metrics here. These are official from the Olympic Games, and he was great. Stroke gain two off the tee, gain two on approach was nearly a zero putter and a small negative. That that's the blueprint for Corey Connors. Um, the sentiment around him has just kind of weakened. You know, he was very, very popular a couple of months ago. We don't see that as much anymore. Uh, I'm I'm happy to continue to play Corey Connors almost um in perpetuity. Biggie Balls, welcome, says Herman as a cheap dart throw. Absolutely. So uh, here's the cheat sheet, and it is uh, actually uh, Sia Najad, my good friend Sia Najad, who comes on the First Cup podcast on Mondays. Uh, last week, he pointed out Rafael Campos at min price, and I was like, no, can't play Rafael Campos. I don't see it. Uh, this week, he comes and says, I've got another min price for guy for you. His name's Jim Herman. I'm thinking, I, I don't. I don't need to look this up. I don't need to play him. Well, sure enough, um, Jim, Jim Herman has four consecutive top 28 finishes. All four of those, he's gained strokes off the tee. He's gained strokes putting in five straight. He's gained strokes on approach in four of five. So yes, uh, I'm happy to do this. At the, at the dead min, if he finishes T45 in a field of 66, he has paid for himself. Uh, it also uh, allows you to get really, really flexible uh, with the rest of your lineups, and there is no risk of the cut. I mean, if he finishes dead last, he was min price. Like, what did you what did you expect? You know what I mean? So there's really only upside from a min price guy, and I think this is a pretty good one. Jay-Z says, my main man, Rick, he is, he's, ah, <laughs> oh, screw that up. My main man, Rick, I'm in a Coke rack state of mind. Tell me if you dig it, Jay. Always good to have you in the chat. Let's take a quick look at Mr. Coke rack here. Haven't seen him since the open championship in which he finished 26 played well enough at the rocket mortgage, but lost strokes putting. That is something you normally do not see from him. He's been one of the better putters on the PGA tour this season. Yeah. I mean, this is pretty solid, right? He is a, a bit more volatile than, than most of his peers in this kind of pricing range, but the putter is electric. 
We have seen him get hot with the driver and the irons at times. The short game is always a little bit worrisome, and I do worry about that around these small greens at TPC Southwinds. But uh, Bermuda is historically one of his better surfaces. I don't have any problem with this. I don't love it. I think I like it. Not sprinting to the window to get a ton of access to Jason Kokrak, but if he falls into your lap, if you are going to, I'm certainly not going to talk you out of it. Zach says, one and done. Final week of Q4 until playoffs. I'm so there's no Wyndham. I'm leading by 400,000. DJ Xander, Rory Finau, Cam Smith are my best options. Guy behind me has JT and Morikawa, so I feel like I need a big finish here. Um, well, I hate to say it, but you should probably just play DJ. Right, I think that's got to be the play. DJ has been uh, dominant at TPC Southwind. In fact, I'll just burn this nugget here for you right now. Um, every single week, as I'm going through my research process, I have all these data nuggets. Some of them make the video. Some of them go into like the Golf Digest article that I write. Um, some of them hit the cutting room floor and never go anywhere. I've started collecting all of those and putting them into a weekly newsletter. It's called the Run Good Rundown. It's basically just like bullet points of things that pop up over the course of the week. I email it out on Wednesdays. Uh, the link is in the description if you want to get access to it. And if you subscribe, it comes right to your inbox. So the thing about what we're talking about here is I ran the ultimate course horses. So this is not just course horses for TPC Southwinds, but it is course horses for every course on the PGA Tour since the start of 2015, minimum 14 rounds. We're talking Rory at Quail Hollow, Patrick Cantlay at TPC Summerlin, and Mirfield Village. We're talking JT at Chapultepec. Number five is Berger at Southwinds. Number six is DJ at Southwind. This is a place that he has been dominant at. Um, I think you have to save Rory for probably Eastlake. That is a place that he has been dominant. Uh, I would roll with DJ this week. Drew the baller says, Rick, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts actually on Wilco Nienaber? Um, I don't know if I have much. I don't even know if how, how much data I have on him. Listen, he is a volatile guy. Yeah, I don't know if I have. Let me see if, what I've got on him here. Uh, volatile, big, long hitter. I like the skill set. I just worry. I just worry about the rest of his game that's not the driver. Yeah, I only have um, 12 measured rounds on him. Dominant off the tee. Struggles on approach. Struggles around the green. The putter is kind of all over the place. I'm lukewarm on it. I will say this, Drew, uh, in a no-cut event, that would be the place that I would want to run him out. You know, not have to worry about uh, what he's going, you know, say, same kind of thing with 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 Jim Herman, right? Like, he's min-price. What's the worst that can happen? He finishes T58 and you paid the min-price for him. It's not it's not really the end of the world, especially in a no-cut event. So, um, this would be the one place that I would want to roll him out. 80s guy says early retirement starts this week after my 1500 to one Kevin Stadler ticket cashes at the Barracuda. I doubt that, but I hope it does for you because that would be very, very cool. Hank Hill says, first, do you have any tips on how to break 90 second? Can you do a deep dive on KH late? Yes, sure. So, um, I mean, I don't know if you want to take advice on breaking 90 from a guy who like, I'm like, I barely break 90, right? Like I shoot in the eighties often, but, um, Generally speaking, I think a lot of recreational players hemorrhage strokes on and around the green, right? So can you two putt from 30 feet? Can you two putt from 40 feet? That That is where recreational amateurs and guys that can't break 90 lose a ton of strokes. Um, I, I actually think you like if you are, if you can't break 90, you should be practicing two types of putts, eight feet and in 
and try to make more of those and then 30 feet and out. Don't worry about nine to, to 25 feet. Most you're going to two putt most of those practice eight and in 30 and out. Make sure you can two putt and, and get down from, uh, from the longer ones. KH Lee. Um, I'm not as optimistic that this is a really good fit for him. So He's, he's incredibly volatile, right? And the putter is generally bad. The approach game is usually bad, which uh, being 133rd on tour in strokes gained approach and going to a place that has the third smallest greens is a little bit, uh, a little bit worrisome for me. So if you filter by the two events that uh, have, or the two courses that have smaller greens, that would be Pebble Beach and Harbor Town. He's missed the cut twice there. His best finish is a 48th. He has a 56th place finish. He, he's he's just not great. So you're going to have a situation where, um, you know, his proximity to the hole is 158. He's 38 feet. That's going to miss a lot of greens. He's okay around the greens. I, I'm, I don't know if I can get there on KH Lee. Probably not this week. If you had, if you had everyone left, who are your top three one and done picks? Interesting question. I guess Berger, right? Because he's been dominant. Um, I guess Jordan Spieth, I think he's super live to win this. And then probably Cantlay, something like that. Um, you know, kind of avoid avoid the guys who played in Tokyo, uh, which might be a little bit risky for a one-and-done situation. Get some good course history guys, guys that are playing well, stuff like that. I think I'd be cool with it. Brett says, I'll be at TPC Southwind tomorrow. That's cool. Uh, can you give me some potential first round leaders that I can cut sweat while I'm there? Yeah. So, I mean, I always get a lot of questions about first round leader, which is, uh, funny because it's always the hardest one to predict. So we can kind of do this a couple different ways. Like what if we just do round ones on Bermuda? Is that just, is that just cutting it way too close? Yeah. We're going to get a very small rounds here, but I'm trying to see if anybody jumps out. It's all the big names. Morikawa, JT, Sergio, Webb. Webb is really interesting, okay? So I don't know what Webb's first-round leader number is, but the idea that he's kind of getting healthier and healthier uh, to go to a place where he can lean on the ability to ball strike and maybe get hot, I I, I think Webb, um, Webb could be that guy. I don't mind that. Could you do stars and scrubs versus single or versus a, versus a balanced Jesus, could you go into stars and scrubs versus balanced for single entry GPP and double ups? I don't know anything about double ups. I don't think you want my opinion there. Um, single entries. I'm, I'm going with a, uh, stars and scrubs approach. And the reason for that, there are some really good, not only min price, uh, but $6,000 options that allow you to get two or three high upside, large win equity golfers. And if you look at who wins WGCs, the stroke play ones, they are usually top tier talent. Uh, so I'm trying to get as many bullets as I can at the top. So I have gone for more of a stars and scrubs approach this week. Um, the other thing about this event, the WGC, not only is there some really good value, but also there's a ton of value in the jock market and they have changed the payout structure for this week where, um, everybody 50th place and up is going to, uh, pay out at least a dollar per share. So that means there's going to be a, a lot of money to be made. There's going to be an opportunity where, uh, for the entirety of the event, the event you can buy and sell golfers, which is what we're going to have going on this week. So this app allows you to 
go into the cash market, use real American dollars to buy shares of golfers, trade them throughout the event, um, or you can play the free contest as well. If you use the code Rick, it gives you up to a $50 deposit bonus. If you watch tonight, there is a power hour at 8.15 on the Rick Run Good YouTube channel. Joe and, I, and Joe and myself take you through the final hour of the IPO phase. That's when you bid on golfers. So this is a lot of fun. They're adding shorting uh, coming up soon, which is going to be great. It's really the only place that, um, you know, you can, you can just say, is this guy going to beat his expectation or is he not going to beat his expectation? It's the only place in the world where you can get paid out on like someone finishing 32nd. You know, it, it's a really cool dynamic. I think you should check it out. Join me this evening. Are you more apt to take a stand at the top and mix match value guys or the opposite? I like a lot of tough guys and thinking, uh, think taking a stand on value is the way to go. Interesting. Interesting. Do I want to take a stand at the top or do I want to take a stand at the bottom? I would take, I think taking a stand at the bottom is fine. Um, especially because you look at what the projected ownership is going to be here. If you mix and match Rory and DJ and Spieth and Kepka and Xander and, and Morikawa, um, you know, they're all generally just as likely to win as, as, as the others. Uh, but they are at drastically different projected ownerships numbers. Like Rory McIlroy is a third, a third of what Jordan Spieth is. Um, so I think mixing and matching those guys with the legitimate winning upside at a, third of, of, of ownership of each other. I think that's the way that I would go. Kyle says new to Rick run good, uh, site. Thank you very much. Love the content you provide. How many custom models do you run before you settle on one? I find myself running, um, models all the time and watering down my player pool. Yeah, I kind of run. So this is the custom model. Um, I kind of run a like not like two or three a day, maybe. I don't, I don't know if that's a lot or not. You know, Monday, I do one on the show, the DFS preview on Monday. That is like right after, um, right after the, the salaries come out Tuesday, you know, I get an opportunity to talk to the guys on the first cut and kind of get more perspective. And maybe we have somebody on, on the scene and maybe I've talked to a caddy, which little, little teaser is professional tease, have a new podcast coming out this week. Uh, talk to uh, Joe Griner, Max Homas, Caddy. Sometimes I get a little bit more information there. Uh, also, uh, and then Wednesday, like Wednesday, then I have ownership, right? So I probably run two or three a day. I, I don't know if that's a lot, but that's that's generally the way that I do it. Hey, Rick, any value in these head-to-heads? Can't lay over Reed, I imagine, English over Reed, and Colin over X. Um, so I'll do this for you. I'll, I'll run it on the head-to-head matchups tool on rickrungood.com. If you subscribe, which I highly recommend, you can run any one of these yourself. I'll do two for you. I imagine they're all pretty favorable. So let me zoom out a little bit. Uh, Cantlay over Reed. I imagine Cantlay is going to smoke him. And we're gonna I'm going to change this to the start of 2021. Yeah, I well, I guess it's not smoking him. I've Cantley winning 57% of the time, which is minus 130. Not a ton of value, but some value. And then English over Reed would be wow. Reed, a uh, big time winner on this one since the start of 2021. Reed wins it about 65% of the time. I have his money line at minus 187. If you subscribe to rickrungood.com, you can run as many of those as you like. Still have Kepka, but first cut sold me on burger and those greens. Talk me down um, for one and done. Yeah, Leo, I mean, listen, I'm not sure there's a reason to be talked down here. Um, Daniel Berger is, 
I don't know if you've ever done this, Leo. It's a, a practice I really recommend. Before the season starts, create your one and done schedule. Put everybody in a slot. And what you'll find is you're going to start putting guys uh, that are really, really elite in some of these spots and Berger would be the guy that you plugged in at TPC Southwind and Webb would be the guy you plugged in at Wyndham and Rory would probably be the guy you plugged in at Eastlake and um, JT would probably be a guy you plugged in at some WGC no cut event. Like there's just, there's just these, these mat, these matchups, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm not here to talk you down from that, that this is a pretty straightforward Daniel Berger one and done week. And it would have been a week ago, a month ago, a year ago, you would have plugged Daniel Berger in here. Lucas Glover, what do you make of recent weaker ball striking? Hey, Tom, uh, but stronger putting. Yeah. Interesting. Let's see. Let's see how this looks because usually it's a little bit worrisome when a guy loses their weapon, but I mean, this is pretty good. Um, Lucas Glover, historically terrible putter. In fact, still ranking 125th on tour. Has gained strokes putting in six consecutive events. Now, his short game is still horrible, which worries me here because these are small greens and a lot of guys play from greenside. That worries me. Um, the rest of this looks pretty good. I mean, still capable of gaining three or four strokes on approach. Oh, I'm sorry. I have this filter, guys. My bad, my bad, my bad, my bad. Just disregard everything I just said. That's my bet. Let's start over. Lucas Glover. <laughs> four events in a row, four major events in a row, he has gained strokes putting. The last two have been pretty good. Has been sour. Let me see this here. On approach in three of his last four. Off the tee. Yeah, this is kind of strange, isn't it? This is a little whack-a-mole for me. There's like a lot happening here. Um, I really don't know what to make of this, actually. That's a good, that is a very good question. I would be concerned, I guess, um, to see a guy losing that many strokes that often. I'm not, I'm not thrilled about it. That that's that was weird. I I I don't remember seeing a lot of a lot of other metrics like that. Carson says, awesome content as always, Rick and one and done. Pick one out of Louie, Lowry, and Cantley. I know I'm, know I'm in the middle of the pack. Uh, can't lie. It's probably just got the highest upside and nobody's going to play him. Who is the best value comparing DK pricing to outright odds above, say, 100 to 1? Ooh, um, I don't have the D I don't have the odds next to the DK pricing here, but I imagine it is. Mm, I don't have the answer for that. Probably Max Homa. For one and done, should I play DJ, JT, or Berger? Our league goes through the FedEx Cup playoffs. I figured Berger this week and DJ at the Northern Trust, but wanted your thoughts. I'm cool with that. That is probably the absolute right way to go. Uh, if you were to make one outright bet for this week, who would it be based on the odds and win equity? Uh, I just mentioned Cantlay. I think that's probably still correct. Um, because he has legitimate winning upside. Right. So let me pull him up here. Uh, tournament simulator. So Patrick Cantley won my simulation about six and a half percent of the time. He's 25 to one in some places. I've seen him like 30 to one in some places as well. This is this is the intersection between um, value and win equity. 
Rick, if you're ever in the DC area, let's play some golf. Deal. Uh, thanks for your work. What is your one singular favorite bet for this week? Yeah, it was Brooks Kepka over Justin Thomas. Um, I'm a little bit more concerned about that now. There was also a, uh, what was the other matchup that I really, really liked? I think it was Cantlay over Scheffler. And I really like Scheffler, but there is a lot to like about Patrick Cantlay this week. Hey, Rick, is Hideki a viable one-and-done option this week? My other stud is JT, and I've been trying to save him for the Tour Championship. Um, what are – without – off the top of my head, I don't know what their FedEx Cup standings are, Clark. So you, this is the time – well, I guess – hold on. If your one-and-done uses the starting strokes, you want to punt that decision as long as possible, but you want to have a lot of options because if somebody starts at 10-under or 8-under and you get credit for that, um, you are – at a significant advantage. So I don't know the, 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 the way that your one and done works. Um, but outside of that, uh, if you can save JT for the tour championship, I think that's smart. And I think Hideki's fine this week. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about that. Rick, love your show and all your analytics was wondering if you've started to look at historical data just to see how those weighted models are panning out. Yeah. Um, a lot. I do that quite often. I mean, I actually have, um, the plan so the plan is to eventually have like an archive site uh, an archive page on the site which would allow you to look back at uh past cheat sheets to see kind of lead in form and things like that and then also um you know which models uh worked well but no like part of the the course regression model calculations that I do um it, it's constantly being back tested and constantly more data is being added so yes it's it's a it's a big part of it any examples of when you may go against your model? What would make you look at a golfer uh, who is average slash, I think that says low in the model. Um, I guess it depends on what model I put in, right? So so if I put in 24 rounds, which is generally pretty recent, right? The last couple of starts. And, um, and it has a big name player who is going to be low owned, lower in my model. I'm more willing to play that guy. Because if you get a ceiling week from a low-owned Rory McIlroy this week, uh, it is incredibly valuable. So I, I generally give the better players more longer-term credit uh, and, and kind of the, the value guys, I'm trying to find the hot hands is, is usually the way that I do that. So if they show up in the model um, or if I know like, – like the Tokyo thing this week – gives me a little bit of pause, especially when like Justin Thomas is tweeting about how many miles that he has flown in the last four weeks. So, um, th those are kind of those outside things or, uh, or if there's not enough data, right. There are, there's literally some weeks where, you know, we don't have a lot of good course history. Uh, maybe it might be a new event, like a 3M open or a rocket mortgage where we only have one or two years. I I'm not as, I'm not as likely to bend the knee to, to the model. Hey, Rick, I like Burns and Homa for DFS, and I can only pick one. Um, unfortunately, I kind of like both of those guys as well. So Burns is what he is, right? A very volatile, high upside golfer who um, is going to make you look like a fool a lot, and he's going to make you look like a genius a lot. Homa, on the other hand, you know, he is uh, laying a type of advanced metric blueprint that I really like gaining a bunch of strokes off the tee. He's fine on approach. He's he's starting to plug the gap in some of his shortcomings, which is around the green. And then also the putter is poppable. 
meaning he's going to have a lot of bad putting weeks. But the good putting weeks, he gains five, six, seven strokes on the putting surfaces, and that's how he wins golf tournaments. Some guys are not even capable of that. So it, when I'm looking at guys at 150 to one or in the 60, what's home, a 6,700 dollars for this week for this week or something like that, um, this is a really good blueprint for for types of guys that can pop off. Uh, a really good blueprint. So that that probably gets me a, a little bit more excited. Do we know if DJ's brother is back on the bag this week? I don't know. I'll see if I can find that out. If I can, I'll tweet it. Um, for Rick Run Good, one and done. What are the top three players you would save for the tour championship? So in a vacuum, it would be like JT, Rory, Xander. But um, the idea of using starting strokes, which I guess for my one and done, we're not, right? No, I don't think we are. So then I guess it would be Rory, JT, and 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 Xander. I guess Rom in there as well. But but the the I mean Rory at East Lake is bonkers. Xander's been phenomenal at East Lake. All that good stuff. Thoughts on Justin Rose or just show me to the door. Have at the door. I'm concerned about Brooks canceling his. Okay, so this is a good so I talked about the Brooks stuff at the top, but this is a good question. I'm concerned about Brooks canceling his press conference and withdrawing from the pro-am, where would you pivot to? So again, I'm not pivoting yet. I'm not. Um, that could change. If I get a text that says, no, the knee, he really did hurt the knee. Or if I wake up tomorrow and he's not on the driving range at, you know, 630 or whatever, um, I would pivot. So I would probably go, Assuming you, uh, if you can get to Xander for the extra 200, it's interesting. Uh, the DJ, I'm happy to pivot to DJ or Rory. I I'm happy to. DJ seems to be in good spirits, um, seems to be thinking he's playing a lot better than he is, which is always a good sign. Has has been dominant at Southwind. I'm happy to go there at half the ownership. I'm happy to go to Rory at a third of the ownership. Um, I I'm happy to pivot to either one of those guys. I don't. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, while I'm thinking about it, while, while you're all here, go ahead, hit the like button for me. It goes a long way for me. It costs you nothing. And I appreciate it. Are you higher on sync or Palmer? Oof, probably sync with the ball striking. I do like Palmer. I'm a fan of his, but probably sync this week. Cheapest player who could surprise and contend. So I'm going to take this as contend, meaning like, a legitimate chance to win and the cheapest guy to do that. Well, Homa's 67. I mean, sync has won twice this year. Maybe those guys, sorry. I was trying to find someone else here that would be cheaper. Uh, I would say it's the answer is probably sync, but I would much prefer it's max Homa. Favorite OC golf course. Um, Strawberry Farms is pretty good. Um, Monarch. Love Monarch. Yeah, those have got to be my top two. Currently mini golfing with my son. Are you a bring your own putter to the mini golf course or use the classic mallet putter? And Brent says smash the like button. He is absolutely right. Bringing your own putter is a tough move. Um, Shows you're taking it very seriously. You gotta, you really gotta play well. Now it's kind of a competitive thing. I like to use the rubber mallet 
because it's the built-in excuse. Oh, what is this? Is this thing even aligned right? This isn't custom fit for me. What is this? Off the rack, right? All that stuff. So uh, you gotta just you gotta just use the rubber mount. Rick, you truly are my hero. Thank you. Two questions: Will you be my dad? Yes. And if you did, you go to college, and if so, what did you major in? I did, and I majored in uh, business, uh, business management, and marketing. Here I am. And yes, I will be your dad. Um, thoughts on Sungjae gain strokes with his irons in four straight Bermuda is by far his best putting surface and he gets guaranteed four rounds. Drew, you might be, might be doing my job for me, man. Let's pull up. Let's see how he did at, at uh, he had that one that his son, I think it was a uh, Saturday round in Tokyo was just absolutely awesome. Uh, he has not technically, technically drew gain strokes with his irons in four straight. He has done it. Um, in four of his last five, he was horrendous in Tokyo with his irons, lost four strokes on approach. Now, uh, we can actually break that down. Actually, can I break this down? So I have two, I, this is actually difficult cause I have two different, uh, databases running simultaneous right now. If you notice there is, um, actually I think I can do this. There is a lot more data in the golfer's profile tool for now. Let me see if I have, have this by round here. You're going to, you're, you're, if you haven't been paying attention, there's been a huge influx of data coming into rickrungood.com in the last couple of weeks, and it's not stopping anytime soon. I have so much more lined up for it. Yeah, here we go. So, rounds one and rounds two at the Olympics, Sung Jay lost 3.7 and 2.1 strokes on approach. Horrible. Probably some of his worst rounds ever. You wonder if the whole, I got a medal for, um, for to get out of uh, of military service did anything to him but he figured it out on the weekend that's much more impressive to me yeah man those were some pretty pretty horrible rounds so um i do think he's a good pivot i don't think anybody's gonna be gonna be all that interested in him so i i do think that's good i'm gonna skip a lot of these like this player or that player uh i they're generally Tough questions for me to answer. I think most people ask them because they just want a little bit of confirmation bias on who they've already picked. And also, I don't know what they're for. Are they for DFS? Is it for a head-to-head matchup? Are there odds involved? What is your risk tolerance? They're really difficult questions for me to ask. So I'm going to skip, or or for me to answer. So I'm going to skip a lot of those. Who are some of your favorite 6K guys or are you looking to stay in the 7K range? I'm I'm loving the 6K range. Um, I've got no problem with, I've mentioned Homa. I've got no problem with Herman at the min price. I'm even kind of okay with, with Wilco at 6,000. Um, if Phil is going to putt with the arm lock, I don't hate it. He's played well at TPC Southwind. Um, that's probably it. Maybe those four-ish guys I'd live with. I'm, I'm much, much higher on Homa and Hermie for the price. I could extend to Wilco. I could extend to Phil if I was if I was getting a little bit more desperate. If you could pick two guys to start a lineup uh, above 10K, who would they be? So if I'm taking into account ownership, uh, probably Rory, who is the cheapest and the projected to be lowest owned. And then Jordan Spieth, who I just think might, might win this golf tournament. Jordan Spieth has been absolutely phenomenal. What is your opinion on golf trading cards? Seeing a lot of them on eBay, especially the numbered autos. Yeah. So I've done a lot of the card breaks for the two new upper deck products. If you saw me stream those, I I think they're fun. I think they're incredibly fun. 
I'm not a collector or anything like that. I think they're amazingly fun. Um, the product itself, it's very difficult for golf trading cards because there's not a union like in other sports where they can sign every single player and then you get access to all the stars. They have to pay each of these stars individually. So you got to get Bryson individually and JT individually and uh, Tiger individually. And it really creates a small... It's a small roster. It's not like there's a... I don't think there's any Brooks cards. I don't think there's any... Um, Xander cards, right? So it's it's a really small product and then it's a really top heavy product. So if, if you're trying to resell them you, and you're not getting a Tiger, a JT or a Bryson, I think more, more cows in there as well, you're probably losing money. So it's tough um, because like the LPGA ones don't sell for much. The mid-tier players don't sell for much. So if you're doing it for fun, if you're doing it for a hobby, it's great. If you're doing it for a collection, um, probably not. Are you buying into coaches fade of players traveling back from the Olympics? Tough to fade Morikawa, but the putting stats on Bermuda scare me in addition to the jet lag. Uh, I don't blindly just fade anything or do anything for a narrative, right? So at least this way to, uh, like coming back from Tokyo is the better way, right? Going to Tokyo is the tough way. It's not like it's easy coming back, but it's the better way. These guys don't also like they're not sitting in the middle seat of coach, right? Like they're flying, I don't think they're flying private, but they're flying these huge, like the beds that lay down and it's like first class. I'm not that worried about it. Don't think you've commented on this anywhere else, but what do you think of the new PGA Tour schedule? Hold the phone. Uh, it is, that will come out in the podcast later this week. So it's going to be part one. Part one will be the new schedule, which I think is fascinating. And part two is going to be my conversation with, with Joe Griner, Max Homas caddy. So it's coming later this week. Love it. Did DK cancel all Barracuda contests? Apparently. Yep. So they said it was like a scoring, a scoring issue, I guess, because it's stable for scoring. Um, so yeah, they canceled and refunded. And I think gave out like $5 free roll tickets or something like that. Um, this still should be the DraftKings championship this week. Stable first scoring should be replaced with draft king scoring and we should all move on with our lives. I can't believe it hasn't happened yet. If assured a cash in one and done, but not a huge score and only had similar guys left, do you think the optimal play is to keep using one of the least available ahead of me, ahead of you, rather than care about their tourney fit? I think this is kind of a personal question, Brian, because are you cool with just cashing? If so, chalk it up, I guess. Um, if you're trying to win, that's kind of a different story. You should be trying to make up ground. So it's kind of hard for me to answer. Could you think of a better back-to-back -back scenario? Xander won the gold time to win some first place cash. Yeah, it would be cool. He's very good at golf. It would be hard to do, but he's good. Curious about Bryson as a pivot. Uh, I did discuss this at the top of the show. He said he was very tired, very fatigued. He did nothing. He lost like eight to 10 pounds and apparently lost club speed. Can you, off the top of your head, name the righties that hit draws uh, off the tee? Well, Rory generally liked to, and then I think he's been working on the cut. Patrick Reed kind of hits that little low guy 
uh, every so often. Xander likes to hit the draw when he can do it, which we've seen a couple of times. The problem is a lot of these guys are so good at hitting in every single direction um, that it's tough to kind of put your finger on them. Hey, Rick. I'm new to the show. Well, thank you. Welcome. Think of playing a ridiculous amount of Cantlay. Is that reasonable? Santé from Quebec. I think that's how you say that. Um, thank you, Martin, or probably Martine. I love Patrick Cantlay this week. Now, I've gone down with the ship on Patrick Cantlay a couple of times, but outside of the, what, four-week stretch in which he forgot how to putt, he's been unbelievable. Um, you know, four of his last five, he has top 25 finishes. One is a victory. Uh, the other thing I was doing earlier this week was going to the Holy Grail here and sorting by um, small greens for the last six years. Who's number one in small greens? It's Patrick Cantlay. Why? Because he's an awesome iron player. Um, and you look at his results on just courses with small greens. 13th, first, miscut. Third, second, 35th, 32nd, 7th, 11th, 11th, 17th, 12th, 12th, 15th, win, third. Like what? He's missed like one cut in his last 17 starts on small on courses with small greens, and he's like got a million top 20 finishes and two victories. Let's go. Be ridiculous. Hey, Rick, one and done winding down with the recent news. Would you roll out the Bryson exper experiment if at all? I'm terrified of this. I have um I have I have Bryson available in like a lot of one and dunce, and now I'm concerned I'm not gonna get a chance to use him, right? I'm gonna have to I guess I'm I no, I would rather play him at a playoff event. And maybe he can figure it out. Greg, love the show and all the data. Thank you. Uh with a no-cut event, do you subscribe to Stars and Scrubs? Yes, I do. Deep dive on Martin Laird. Oof. Sure. Haven't done that in a while. Let's do it. Spell his name right. I played TPC Summerlin the other day, and I tried to, um, I wanted to recreate the Martin Laird shot. I forget what hole it was, but he was greenside, just buried up against the lip. Remember he chipped in there when he won, um, but I forgot to, and I forgot what hole it was. But I'm gonna next time I get out there, I'm going to do that. Martin Laird. Well, off the tee is fine. Missed three out of his last four cuts, but off the tee is not the problem. Approach is pretty average. Short game, pretty weak. I do like the fact that the putter can pop, but he doesn't match it with really any other skill set that is noteworthy. So I'm not sure how valuable that actually is. So I'm going to have to pass on, on Martin Laird. I like the popping putter, but nah. Lowest owned in the field above 6,500. That's like everybody. Lowest owned in the field above 60. Like everybody. Everybody. Uh, Lee Westwood. Aaron Rye. Uh, I, I, like everybody. Did the top three golfers in the 6K range. So I'm going to skip that. Did the conversation about fading players from the Olympics. Suggestion on, oh, what's the name of the site you gamble on, Rick? Let me do some plugging. So um, go to rickrunninggood.com slash bets. Uh, you can look at, so I generally use William Hill, which is now Caesars. Um, they just rebranded like two days ago. Um, uh, BetMGM is on there. 
you can sign up for that. There's a lot of free bets available. Also, I'm in Vegas. I have access to a lot of books. Circa for outright for outrights uh, cannot be beat on their prices, and they do not pay me to say that, but maybe they should. Um, but their outright numbers are are outrageous. So Circa here, but um, generally speaking, Caesars as well, which is used to be William Hill. All good. Suggestion on how much salary to leave on the table? As much as you want, man. Go for it. There, there is, there is not a sport like golf in which um, there is less of a correlation between the optimal winning lineups and salary. Right? I mean, constantly I tweet out these optimal lineups that leave three or four thousand dollars on the table, or a thousand dollars, or five hundred dollars on the table. Whatever you want. It, I, I, I have now gotten to the point where you can leave whatever you want on the table, and you are not going to get a complaint from me. Can't lay over DeChambeau in a matchup. Is it time to whip out the hammer? Yes. Any news, thoughts, or on Zalatoris health-wise? No. Uh, but Barry, this is a really good question. So if you remember correctly, had that shot at Royal St. George's in the really thick rough immediately doubled over. I believe he said it's it shot shooting pains down his leg. Um, had to withdraw, took a couple of weeks off. My my general assumption, Barry, is that if he's playing, he's healthy. That's generally what, how I feel about a lot of these guys. The only small caveat with Zalatoris would be he might just be trying to take one of his last two cracks at winning a tournament because if he wins, he can get into the FedEx Cup playoffs. If he doesn't, he's not going to play because uh, he's not technically a full-time member yet. So that's the only small caveat. But with the way that Zalatoris like, didn't play the alternate field, I don't think that's really his mindset. So I think he's healthy. Feels like a very unpopular take, but I like Hatless Rory. I thought that was a I thought that was a common take. Let's go. Hatless Rory. Let's I don't buy the fact that his head is too small either. I don't think that's true. My wife just sent me a message and said he has a nice head. Should I be should I be worried? What does that even mean? Like the shape of it or like the like what? Yes, she said the shape of it. Okay, Rick, if you're ever in Myrtle Beach, let's play some golf. I will take you up on wherever you guys want to play golf. If I'm ever there, let's do it. Answered a lot of these, answered a lot of these. Uh, I'm going to pass on your lineup questions. If that lineup is good for you, it is good for me. I don't spend your money and you do not spend mine, which is always fun. Yes, I touched on Bryson. Uh, Go back to the top of the show. I, I mean, I probably wasn't going to have much Bryson exposure anyway. So the fact that, um, you know, the news that he's kind of low expectations this week, I, I think is fine. Uh, question about Aaron, or I believe he pronounces it. I always screw this up. Rye, I believe he pronounces it. Open championship finished 19th. I don't have a lot of strokes gain metrics on him. Generally pretty good off the tee. Kind of all over the place. Finished 12th at this event two years ago. 18th at another WGC top 20 at the open. Yeah. This looks like a guy that, um, is not afraid of a big stage, which I like coming from some of some of these guys. I'm going stars and scrubs. <laughs> Literally watched you skip my question. Yes. I mean, some I skip. I don't read every question. 
some I've either already answered or it's not as, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to find things that are very helpful to everybody. Last week of one and done in second, 800,000 behind. Leader most likely on Morikawa. Best available for me is Xander or Louie. Any thoughts or preference? Oof, boy. Uh, I mean, it's so close. You should just roll with whoever you feel like. I would probably just run Xander out there and hope he goes back to back. Um, you, you know, yeah, I'd play Xander, but it's super close. Pick whoever you think is best. What did you shoot at Summerlin? Um, I'll tell you in a second. 80 something. I shot a 85. Not great, Bob. Double bogey on 16, double on 17. Played much better on the back nine, though. Just looked on your site for the one and done. It says starting strokes will be used. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Starting. If, if it says whatever it says, whatever it says on rickrungood.com slash OAD under rules, it's been there all year long. Um, starting strokes will be used. Okay. Will be used. In that case, you really have to pay attention. That's why I've been saving spoiler alert. I'm pretty sure I'm saving Louis Ustazen or Harris English. I can't remember because I'm hoping they're going to be top five in the FedEx cup standings so that they start, you know, seven under or something like that. Oh, did I tweet out the optimal from the Olympics? I don't know if I did actually. I can probably pull it right now or I can just do a little quick, quick math here. So here's the Holy grail. And, uh, I've just clicked on, let's do everybody. I've clicked on the Olympics sort by draft Kings points. And we do a little quick math here. So it probably would have been, could you have gotten these guys? Mito, Rory, Munoz, Hideki, Casey Zander, you couldn't have gotten all of those guys, but you probably could have gotten. Okay, so Sabatini most certainly would have been in it at 6,800 for 105 points. Mito would have been in it, probably would have been Rory, Hideki, Xander, and Munoz. Did I say that? Munoz, Rory, Mito, Hideki, Xander, the other Rory. That's my, that's basically that. I, I didn't do the math. Rick, will you be tweeting out? <laughs> if you see that Brooks is warming up tomorrow, uh, I, I'm not going to promise what my tweet schedule is. Uh, I will do my best, right? If, if you hear nothing from me, actually, I don't even want to commit to that. I'm not going to commit to breaking the Brooks news because I really am not sure we're going to hear anything else. So, so no, I'm not promising anything. <laughs> um, how well does Kisner do in no cut events? Well, if only there was a way to do that, but wait, there is. Let's go to the Holy Grail strokes game by tournament. The the next iteration of this is going to have a little bit of a little button that says um, cut or no cut. But in the meantime, what I can do is I can add up. I can just select all of the WGC events, and I can say uh, also Zozo and CJ Cup, right, and Tour Championship. In case he's played any of those. And I might be missing some, but you can go back and you can tournament as he played tournament champions. You can certainly go do this yourself, but just for kicks, uh, there's definitely something I'm missing. One of the playoff events probably, but anyway, you could do this and then we can go find Kevin Kisner 
And the fact that I, um, I'm scrolling down looking for him is probably not great. So he's, uh, uh, gaining about a quarter of a stroke. Here is recent results. 41st at the workday, uh, 24th at the tournament of champions, 14th at Zozo 45. I mean, not, these aren't that great, right? These aren't great finishes. He has two top tens, um, dating back to the 2017 tour championship. I could be missing something. And of course he probably does better in the match play, but, um, not great. I actually did a deep dive on KH Lee earlier, believe it or not. So I'm just going to skip that one. Neiman. Um, Neiman is $8,400. That is pretty crazy that, that there has not been a lot of oxygen spent on Neiman. Especially because I feel like he was kind of popular last week, wasn't he? 70, 17% owned at the Olympics. Bermuda's his second best putting surface. He was pretty good in Tokyo. Excellent ball striker. Might have been the best ball striker. Was he the best ball striker last week? Probably wasn't the best. Let's do this. Let's do everybody in the field in Tokyo last week by ball striking. Neiman was fourth. Straka, Zanotti, Peters, Neiman. Um, I'm going to say this is a great call. I'm going to say this is a great call. He's not being talked about. Nothing has changed. He is still on that advanced metrics game. He is uh, better on Bermuda than most other surfaces. Let's go. Sergio. So I'm not nearly as high on Sergio as I know kind of other people might be. So the reason for that, I listen, I appreciate the ball striking. What he did at the 3M was insane. He was by far the best player from, from T to green. Uh, and he was, and he lost seven strokes putting. My problem with Sergio is he's going to hemorrhage a ton of strokes on the greens. And even in weeks that he's not, it doesn't like, it doesn't produce good enough results. The ceiling is not good enough. He gains two strokes putting at the U.S. Open, finishes T19. Gains 2.8 at the Charles Schraub, finishes T20. The only time he did it was Sanderson. That's what I need. I need it when, when Sergio gains two and a half strokes putting, he needs to win or finish top three. And it's not really happening. So I'm, I'm just not as, as high on him. Look at this. Look at the putter. Oh, horrible. New to the stream. Have you thought about adding top five, top 10, top 20 odds on your report? I'm assuming you're talking about the cheat sheet here. I get a lot of requests for things to add to the cheat sheet. It's kind of at maxed out real estate right now. And all of this, I believe is pretty valuable. That's why I've actually have kind of multiple different versions of this cheat sheet, the strokes game, the cheat sheet, the fantasy cheat sheet, or if you're really paying attention and you want the dirty little secret, the first cut cheat sheet, an invisible little button right here that if you click, it takes you to the first cut cheat sheet. This is just bigger font that I use. So you don't actually, it's not anything different, but, um, I have lots of plans for this as always on rickrungood.com. There will be constant improvements. I think the subscribers can, um, can, uh, testify to that. Would you use Colin in one and done? Yep. He listen, the kid's special. He's super special. What he did at in, in Tokyo, uh, last week, 
lose a stroke and a half on approach and finish fourth is terrifying for the rest of the field. The, the tour, they should be shaking in their boots. If this guy can lose a stroke and a half on approach, something he's unlikely to do very often and finish fourth, they should be terrified. Morikawa is unbelievably legit. How do you feel about targeting some guys who are just barely inside or just outside the top 20, uh, 125 in FedEx Cup points? Silly narrative or potential edge? Oh, it might be the time of the year where we are at potential edge just because I think you're going to like, we are ne- all year long. The PGA tour is like every shot matters. Sure. Technically it does, but those guys don't start thinking about it. They do start thinking about it now. So I do think you could get, maybe it would have to be an exact situation. A guy who is top 120, you know, just outside the top 125 or just in who's kind of struggling, grinding, who has to, who has to give you every, every stroke instead of, like I'm going to get my guaranteed paycheck. Let me eject out of here and finish 52nd. I, I do think there's a tiny little bit, but it's a very, very, very small scenario that you're probably not going to be able to guess or even get to come to fruition. All right. Um, we're about out of questions here. I'll do this. Colin has one more question. Cam Davis versus Sam Burns. Last in my draft Kings lineup. I love both of these guys. How could you make me pick between these two? Um, I don't know. Burns. Whichever one you want. I, I love both of those guys. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. On the way out, hit the like button. Uh, also, subscribe to rickrungood.com. I never ask you to do that. It's a really good site, and it's constantly improving. And I love it, and I think you will too. Join me tonight, 8.15 p.m. Eastern Time. Joe Idoni and I will be on the Jock Market Power Hour giving away money. Giving away $100 in jock bucks. Plus you use the code Rick. You get another 50 in a deposit bonus match. It's going to be fun. There's going to be a lot of fun stuff. I don't know. I don't have anything else to say. I'm going to go eat lunch right now. I hope you guys have a great week and uh, I'll see you early tomorrow morning because we're all going to wake up and see what's going on with Brooks. See ya.